Hey, everyone. Thank you for checking out the Junior High Ministry Podcast from Mariner's Church. I'm Justin. Hey, I'm Jeremy, and so glad you've decided to spend some time with us today. So I, I'm, I've been loving how the series has been going, talking about the things that stress us out, anxiety, the, you know, the worry, the things, things we carry with us a ton. This week we talked about how God keeps you safe so you can trust Him. Um, I don't know if everyone believes that, so it was really good to be able to talk about that. Oh, absolutely, because I think... You know, I think sometimes we have these assumptions that, that everybody just sort of thinks the same way or, or you know, because we, we talk about it at church that we just all, you know, live that. And so I think it's, I think it's great to be able to, to bring some of those things to light and say, you know, what does it really look like to trust God with our lives? Like, how do we really do that? What are some practical steps? So, I, yeah. you know, I hope this weekend was that for you. I hope it gave you some practical steps towards trusting God with your life. Yeah. And I'd even go a step further and say, well, I don't know if it's a step further, but I, you know, even say if, if I'm sitting there and I see all these people, or I perceive that all these people have been going to church their whole life and they bring their Bibles to church and they, they have this relationship with God and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm not sure, if it, like, I'm not sure if I believe all these things. Maybe there, maybe I shouldn't come anymore because I'm not like everyone else. Maybe there's something wrong with me. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, we all have to learn this at some point and this was a great opportunity to kind of talk about it in junior high, and and no no one is alone in this. I think we've all had times where we've said, but you know, is God does He really care? Does the things like am I really safe with Him? If you know, if I follow and worship Him, and totally. And those are good questions to ask because uh, you know I think that that when we ask questions about God, it helps us understand more about God and God's love for us. So you know, if you've got questions like that that Justin kind of threw out there, or if you got just questions in general about Christianity, faith, uh, etc. Uh, you know, write those down and put those in the metal in the metal boxes. Every month, Jess and I sit down and we do an Instagram live, Facebook live, Twitter live. Uh, we do the whole thing because we believe your questions matter in junior high and we want to talk about them. Yeah. So uh, hope you guys have a blast. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, don't forget the big Lent worship night is happening on the 14th. You want to mark your calendars for that. You want to come be a part of that with us. It's going to be great. Um, we love you. Life. Good morning. Welcome to the 11 a.m. Mariners Junior High Ministry. So glad you guys are here. Hello. Good to see you guys. Hey, do me a favor. For the next 23 and a half minutes, you are not going to need your phone. So slip your distraction device into your pocket unless you, yeah. So go and slip your phone in your pocket. You're not going to need it. If you have a pen and paper, you can grab that. This is a great lesson to take notes on because we are continuing our series called Stressed Out. If you were here last week, you got to enjoy one of my very favorite people, Mark Vinzon, bringing it as he talked about the beginning of our series. He talked about anxiety and worry and what it means to give God your worries and your wins. So what it means to give God the things that hurt and the things that are painful and the things that you were never meant to carry. What does it mean to give God that stuff? But then what does it also mean to trust God with the joyful parts of your life? What does it mean to trust God with the parts of your life that are just going well, that are crushing So this series is awesome. I love this series because I think it hits all of us. It hits all of us because all of us at one point or another have been worried about what other people thought about us. We've all been worried about, we all spend so much time trying to to fit the mold of what we think other people want us to be. So uh, a couple times that I've been really worried in my life about what other people thought about me. 
Uh, the first time that I was really aware of what other people thought about me was when I was in junior high. I was in seventh grade, and I liked a girl. Many of you are girls that like boys. Many of you boys, you probably like a girl that's in this room, and you're like, please don't call on me. But, you know, some of you like somebody that's in this room, and, and that's great. You know, meet somebody at church. That's a great place to meet somebody. Wonderful. Uh, so I liked a girl. Her name was Stephanie. She had braces, which I thought was very cool. She had brown hair, which I also thought was very cool. But she, you know, I don't know if you still do this, but uh, when I was in junior high, people had braces, and they would actually get, like, different colored rubber bands. And I remember that she had these, like, lime green rubber bands on her upper braces, and then she had, like, dark green rubber bands on her bottom braces. And I was like, girl got style. And then, so, <clears throat> obviously, seventh grade Jeremy really wanted seventh grade Stephanie to like me. Uh, but the problem was that there was this, this like, somehow this rumor got started. Maybe you've been a, a victim or a, a you know, product of a rumor before. Uh, there's a rumor that I liked a different girl. And eventually, it was one of those things that it was, like, a few people knew, and then, like, a few more people knew. And then, like, the whole school knew that I allegedly liked this other girl. And I was, I, I stressed me out. I was really stressed out about what Stephanie would think, like my one true green brace wearing love. I was like, she's never going to accept my love because she thinks I like somebody else. Like, it's so sad, so stressful. Maybe you've been in that situation before. Another time, though, that I've been really stressed out about what other people thought of me was my freshman year of high school. So the, the first day of my first day of my first year of high school, I was in the very first class that I had, which was biology, had Mr. Weaver, who's a total jerk. So if he's listening to this podcast, didn't like you in high school. You're probably a pretty nice guy, though. Uh, so Mr. Weaver, total jerk. He, uh, he was reading, like, the roll call at the very beginning. And he's, like, on all the boring names, like Buddha and Ganem. He's, like, reading all these names. And he's, like, you know, a, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And my last name is Schulteis. So I'm, like, way towards the end after all the boring names. And he's, like, Schulteis. <clears throat> and I was, like, here. And uh, he's like, oh, are you Caitlin's brother? I was like, yes, I'm Caitlin's brother. And so then for the next year and a half, I was Caitlin's brother because I was at the same high school that my sister went to. I'm exactly four years younger, almost like with, with like almost to the day, four years younger than my sister. And that four-year gap meant that she graduated high school. And then a few months later, I started at the same high school. Now, some of you, maybe you have a sibling that, you know, they've done you know, bad stuff or they made bad decisions. And so being so-and-so's brother or sister is like not a great thing. For me, it was the opposite. My sister was a stud. She was one of the valedictorians of her high school class, which meant that she had a 4.0. She was like one of the top students in her, in the whole class. And then to top it, she wasn't just smart, but she was really good at running. So she had been a, a cross country and track star. And she, she actually got a scholarship offer to run. And she ended up running at uh, the best D1 division one running school in the nation. So if you don't know how college sports works, there's like division one, division two, II, division three, and there's like the small divisions for schools that are not very good at sports. Uh, but division one is like the best of the best college athletes. And so she got a scholarship to run for the school that had just won four national championships in a row for running. So she got a scholarship to run for the best of the best of the best, like runners in the entire world to go to the school. So she was a stud. She was a total beast. And so I spent the next year and a half like living in the shadow of the memory of, of how cool my sister was at the school. She was smart. She was great at sports. She got scholarships. Everybody liked her. She did all her work. And I was like this little, like, 110-pound freshman. I was, like, not going to make the football team. Like, that was me as a freshman. And so uh, this, this realization 
the realization that I uh, was kind of like living on the expectations put on me by others because of the things my sister did, it made me really insecure. It made me not really like myself that much at the beginning of high school. It made me feel like I had to constantly perform to try to measure up to the standard that my sister had set. It made me feel like whatever I did was not going to be good enough. Maybe you felt that way before. And I think if, if we're actually really honest, I think that we've all kind of felt that way before. I think we've all had a moment or two in our lives where we feel insecure. Insecurity just means that we look at us and we look at other people and we have a feeling that we're not good enough. And what happens when we feel that way is we start living a little bit differently. We start living, trying to measure up to other people. Now, the problem, and this is going to be on the screen. Conan's got this up on the screen for us. The problem is that if we are only ever trying to live to fill the expectations of other people, we will never be enough. If we're only trying to live to fulfill the expectations of other people, we will never be enough. Here's what I mean by that. If you are trying to live to gain the approval, to try to fulfill the expectations of others, if you're trying to fulfill the expectations of your coach, you will never be enough. If you're trying to fulfill the expectation of your parents, maybe your parents who are people who love you a lot, maybe it feels like you have to get really great grades or you have to excel at sports in order to gain their approval or their love. The problem with that is that if you're living for that, you'll never be enough. Like you'll never measure up to enough. Maybe you're living in the shadow of a sibling and it feels like you'll just never be enough. Maybe when you look at the other uh, people in your school and, and they're all wearing this like stupid one size fits all brand of clothing, like you're like, I need to do that to measure up. Like I need to wear Brandy Melville to be able to fit in or I need to post certain things on Instagram or I need to send pictures of myself to the boy or girl that I like. Like I need to do those things in order to measure up or be enough or to gain their approval or to gain their love and that is like this exhausting cycle. It's this exhausting cycle that will never result in your acceptance because you will never be enough if you live in that cycle. It reminds me of our series verse. Our series verse is Philippians 4, 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, I love that verse. It's going to kind of tee us into what we're talking about this morning. I love that verse because... It's this really clear command. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So the opposite of worry is for us to pray. The opposite of stress is for us to pray. The opposite of anxiety is for us to place our trust in prayer to God. Uh, I think, I was thinking about this this week. I think the insecurity that we feel in life comes from one of two places. I think it comes from the expectations that we create for ourselves. So the expectations that we create because of things we've done, things we say, things that we do, we create expectations. The other, the other reason, I think, is that, that others put expectation on us. So whether it's a coach, whether it's a family member, where, whether it's a friend, like we live with insecurity that comes from expectation put on us by others. Uh, there's a guy in the Bible. His name is Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon. So Solomon was a guy in the Bible. He was a king. Kings are a pretty big deal. The problem for Solomon is that he was the son of King David. Maybe you've heard of David before. You probably have. David was the whole, he was David of the David and Goliath story. So he went from being the boy who kills Goliath, like he's the giant killer. All of a sudden he becomes the king. And then David as the king of Israel becomes the most loved king in the history of the whole nation of Israel. So David is like a really big deal. 
Now imagine being the son of David. Imagine being raised by the, by the most loved king in the history of an entire nation. Solomon was really used to dealing with the expectations of other people. Solomon would have raised, been, been grown up his whole life living with expectation put on him by other people. Maybe you feel like you've grown up living with expectation put on you by other people. Maybe because of where we live. We live in Newport Beach, which is the fourth most affluent city in the U.S. We live in an area that has the, the, the average schools in the Newport Beach area. They're all within like the top 10% or 15% of schools in the entire United States in terms of like uh, achievement tests and college graduates. We live in an area that has more people to go on to play professional sports than any other area in the United States. We live in an area of a ridiculous amount of pressure that's put on people like you. We live in an area just of the world, like this, this little slice of Orange County that we live in in Newport Beach. We live in an area that has an insane amount of pressure put on young people in junior high and high school. Sometimes that pressure can feel like expectation put on you by other people, and it leads us into this insecurity. It's this insecurity that King Solomon knew all about. And that's why in Proverbs, Solomon writes this. He says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. He doesn't mean like, don't fear the boogeyman or don't fear like, like, don't be like physically afraid. When he says fear, it means putting them in high regard. So if you're putting someone's opinion, someone's value of you above the way that you see yourself, above the way that you see how God sees you, he's saying it is a trap that will never result in you being who God made you to be. And it'll make it impossible for you to experience the freedom that God wants you to experience. So Solomon says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's a trap that's, that makes you feel stuck. It's a trap that makes you feel like you will never be the person that God made you to be. Right, boys? Cool. If you're distracted, go sit somewhere else, okay? My life group, mix it up a little bit. Okay. So then he continues. He says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord brings safety or means safety. So fearing people is a dangerous trap. But if we trust in the Lord, it means safety. He's not just talking about physical safety. He's talking about an emotional safety. He's talking about an emotional steadiness. It reminds me of this verse in Hebrews that I love a lot. It says this in Hebrews. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This verse teaches me this point, that when we trust the things that God says about who we are, we'll be safe. So this is really easy, like, parallel though for us between the scripture and between this truth when we trust the things god says about who we are we're safe trust in god equals safety trust in god equals safety because we have this hope in who god says we are that is an anchor for our soul firm and secure so i think when we trust the things that when we trust who god says we are we'll be safe so what are some of the things that God says of, of who we are? There's a, there's a list here of a few things that I love. And, and Mark kind of walked through some of these things last week. We're going to walk through these things again next week because these are truths that if we understood and if we embrace them, not just as like fun truths, but as the fact that this is like our identity. Like this is God saying, this is who you are. If, this, if we let this fully become our identity, it would change everything. I'll get more into what it changes a little bit. But God says, you are my masterpiece. These are not just words written down like thousands of years ago. Like these are words that carry weight and meaning and purpose for you and I today. 
the word for masterpiece there is, is a word actually called poema, which means poem or song. Like God likes you. God says, you are my best song. You are my masterpiece. You are like my best creation. God says, you are worth living and dying for. In John 3.16, it's a verse that a lot of you guys know, but in John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world, they sent his own, one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, will not die, but will experience eternal life with God. And so God says, you are worth living and dying for. You are worth living and dying for. Like you, not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything you can achieve, not because of anything that you can accomplish, but you are worth living and dying for simply because God cares that much about you. Simply because God looks at you and says, they are my best. They are my son. They are my daughter. And no lie of insecurity, no expectation put on them by others could ever separate them from that truth. God says, don't be afraid. I will always be with you. God says, I have incredible plans for you. I know in junior high, it can sometimes feel like, man, when I get older, when I get to high school, when I, when I get to college, like maybe I'll, I'll get to do these things. Or maybe it feels like because of mistakes that you've made or ways that you've you know, messed up a friendship or, or, or things that you've done or, or you know, pictures you've sent or whatever. Like it feels like you somehow have, have like fallen out of the ability to be used by God. And God says, I have incredible plans for you. It means that God's never going to give up on you. God says, you are worth pursuing. You are worth pursuing. You are worth pursuing. You are too. God says, you are worth pursuing. It's, it's this beautiful truth that's in the midst of, it's in the midst of these three stories that Jesus tells about people who lose things. So there's this guy, he has a hundred sheep. There's a hundred sheep. One of them goes missing and the shepherd leaves 99 sheep behind to go find that one sheep because that one sheep has so much value to him. And he brings it back home because every single sheep that he has in his fold matters and has value. And when one gets lost, he will leave anything. He'll move heaven and hell to go get the one that's lost. There's a story about a woman who has these like hundred coins. And when one little copper coin goes missing, even though it might feel like it's a lot of value, that woman ransacks her house. She like turns over the couch. She checks inside of her Xbox to find that one copper coin that's missing. And then the, my favorite one there is that there's a story about a, a man who has two sons. One of the sons comes to him, gets the father's inheritance, goes out and spends it, and then realizes that he's lost everything and comes home and wants to just be the father's servant. And the father, when, the, when he sees the son coming home, he celebrates the son not because of anything that the son's done, but because the father loves the son and because the father says, you are worth pursuing. And he gives him even more than he had before. That's grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And then God looks at you and God says, I'll give you understanding and strength when you are weak. So you might hear those truths. You might hear those truths. Maybe you're a little bit like me. And I think like, oh, like those are, those are, those are good truths. Maybe one of those sticks out to you and you're like, that's the one that I need. But maybe you have been through things in your life that you're like, oh, I just don't know how I could ever put my trust in God. I know for me, when I was in junior high, my parents started getting a divorce. It ended up, it ended up like kind of getting finalized when I was a sophomore in high school. But there's this like couple year long period where we knew our parents were going to get a divorce, where we knew things were kind of just going downhill. They were fighting a lot. Uh, we ended up moving. We sold our house that had been you know, raised in up to that point. Um, and I didn't know how to put my trust in God. 
I was living with the weight of insecurity that comes from expectations that I created, from living with the weight of expectations put on me by others. Like, I was just living with the, all of this. And I didn't know how to put my trust in God. And so here's three things. And this is not a magic pill. This is not a formula. But it's three things that I think takes us one step closer to putting our trust in God. So the first one is this. It says, identify the trap. You got that back there? Oh, there we go. Identify the trap. When we identify the trap, what I'm saying by that is identify the expectation put on us by others. Identify the expectation that we are creating that's leading us to living with insecurity. Identify that because that's not what God ever wanted you to live with. The trap for you could be a lot of things. It could be the desire to perform, the desire to get great grades. Nothing wrong with getting good grades. But if, that is the, if that's the, the goal, if that's the benchmark for your value, then it's wrong. Maybe the, the trap for you is uh, performance. Maybe you feel like you have to perform or achieve to earn someone's love or respect. Maybe you feel like you have to wear a certain brand of clothing or you feel like you have to like, act a certain way or dress a certain way or talk a certain way in order to fit in with your friend group. Maybe you feel like in order for you get, to get somebody to like you or even just to feel accepted, you have to be who you think they want you to be. So you have to identify the trap. You have to say, this is the thing that's, that's making me feel insecure. Like, this is the thing that, that, that I stay stuck in my head over. Second thing, you have to identify the trapper. So here's what I mean by that. Identify the trapper is, is saying, who is the person in your life that is, that's, that's putting expectation on you that you were never meant to live with? Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a crush you have. Maybe it's, it's, it's whoever is in your life that you are letting their opinion about you dictate who you are. The trapper is whoever is in your life that you let their opinion of you dictate who you believe you are. Here's something I've learned. I've learned that everyone's opinions about you will change eventually. Whether it's this week, whether it's today, whether it's next week, whether it's next year, like Everybody that you know right now, eventually their opinion about you will change positively and negatively. So the friends that are like your best friends now, at some point, their opinion of you will change. Like they won't necessarily be your best friend that you have until you die. Everybody that you know right now, their opinion of you in one form or another will change eventually. The other thing that I've learned is that God's love will, is the only thing that will ever remain the same. So if we are banking on just trying to win and gain the approval of other people, we'll always be stuck. We'll always be sitting, wishing and wanting the the, the approval, the acceptance of other people. And God's love tells us through his scripture that it's the only thing that will ever remain the same. Okay, so here's the third thing. So if we identify the trap, we identify the thing that's holding us back from, from accepting fully God's love. We identify the trapper. Then the third thing is we've got to break the chain. Okay, here's what I mean by break the chain. Shake the tree. All right. If you're at winter camp, you know that Rocco from my cabin yelled, shake the tree. All right. This is what I think it means to break the chain. Breaking the chain starts with trusting who God is and who God says we are. Uh, 
when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I loved zoos. My favorite animal at the zoo was not the giraffe, although you might think that, because giraffes are very cool. My favorite animal at the zoo was actually elephants. I loved elephants. That's why we do crab claw arms, elephant legs, and JHM, because I am team elephant legs for the rest of my life until the day I die. I will never be talked out of that. I will never be back down. Come on. Okay. So, growing up, we had zoo passes. Some of you have Disneyland passes. We had annual passes to go to the zoo because that's how much I liked the zoo. So we'd walk around and we'd see all the animals and we'd see like, you know, the, I'd see like the tiger and the lions and I'd see elephants. And I'd think, what is that elephant doing? I think, what a dummy. That elephant is in a cage or like a jail cell that's just like glass and concrete. But elephants are massive. Like they're super strong. And I always wondered like what kind of, you know, days or what kind of, you know, brainwashing do they have those elephants under that keeps them in the cages that keeps them from escaping i always wondered that until the day i learned this when elephants are babies when elephants are babies they want to teach them that they can't escape so what they do is they get a huge chain and this is not like a fake like toy chain like this is like things huge so they get a huge chain like this and they tie it around a baby elephant's ankle like that and they like clap it off and then the baby elephant wants to be free and so it'll pull it'll yank at the chain and the other end of the chain is like stuck into a bolt or like a like wrought iron stake in the ground and so the elephant baby elephant will spend its days just pulling at the chain and tugging at the chain and just trying to break free until eventually they stop trying because they exhaust themselves they get so tired of pulling and tugging that eventually they just give up and so as elephants get older, you'd think that in order to keep an elephant captive, they'd have to give like a teenage elephant a bigger chain and then like an adult elephant a chain that's like the size of me. You'd think that. But what's crazy is that because they taught them as small babies that you are enslaved, that you are in chain, that you're stuck, that you'll never like be let go, that you'll like that you'll be here forever, that this chain has power over you. They've taught the baby elephants that. And so as they get older, they actually progressively give smaller and smaller chains that could be snapped. Like if you just went like that, it'd be, it would rip right off. Even to the point that an adult elephant in, in captivity doesn't even have a chain on them typically. They just have like a little piece of twine or rope tied around their ankle. And that rope isn't even tied to anything. It's just there because that, the, the, the visible sight of that is enough of a reminder for an elephant that they're stuck. It reminds them that they'll never be free. It reminds them that if they even even if they knew who they were, they couldn't get out. That's so sad to me. Because I think that that elephants were made to experience freedom. Elephants were made to just you know run wild. This is not a statement about zoos. I love zoos. But I think that we are not too different from that. I think that many of us live a lot of our lives living with the expectation and the weight of other people. We live carrying just these burdens and baggages of insecurity that come from our desire to gain people's approval, from our desire to, to fulfill people's expectations of us. And like we said, if we live with the mentality of trying to gain people's approval, we will never be enough. There's never enough that you can do to gain people's approval. The only way to experience freedom is to accept and trust who God says we are and then to live as a child of God. And so if I was an elephant, what I would want to do is I would want to break the chain 
and I want to yell, freedom! Like, because that's, yeah, because that's, because that's what they were made for. And that's what you and I, as humans, we were made for that too. Like, you and I were made to experience freedom, and freedom comes from knowing who God says you are. Freedom comes from knowing that you are a son. Freedom comes from knowing that you are God's best. Freedom comes from saying, I know that I am God's daughter, that I am God's son, that I am a child of God, that I am God's masterpiece, that I am worth God pursuing, that I am worth God himself living and dying for. That's freedom. And so here's what we're going to do. You're invited to experience that freedom. You're invited to experience everything that God has for you because I think that Jesus looks at you and never wanted you to feel stuck. Jesus never wanted you to, to live with the insecurity that comes from trying to please other people. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond in worship. And before we respond, I'm going to give you guys a chance to take one small step forward in your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to invite you to let go of the chain that you may have been holding or the, the weight of expectation of other people. And instead of carrying this today, you're invited to be set free one tiny little step at a time. You're invited to be set free by just standing where you are and saying three simple words, saying, I am free. It's not a magic pill. It's not a formula. It's not a magic pill. It's a step in your relationship with Jesus. It's a step towards accepting who God says you are. So if you want to take that step right now, stand where you are and say, I am free. Yeah, you are. Stay standing. Stay standing. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I saw you stand. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Hey, don't just golf clap. Clap it up. When somebody decides to step into freedom, we clap and we celebrate because that's what it means. Yes, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. 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 Here's what I think about when I think about what it would mean for 400 junior hires from JHM. Yeah, you are. Here's what I think about what I think about what it would mean for 400 junior hires from JHM to accept the freedom that they have in Jesus. I think about the things that have happened in the last week in Orange County. I think about kids that have taken their life, and I think about how much each of us need to experience that freedom. And that freedom can be found through God and then through God's people. That when we step into freedom, we aren't just stepping into freedom on our own. We're stepping into freedom because somebody else needs to be set free. When we step into freedom, we're not just stepping into freedom on our own. We're stepping into freedom because somebody else, maybe they're at your school, maybe they're on your sports team, but somebody else needs to experience that freedom too. Will you guys stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to sing one last song. So stand up. Hey, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that through your love, through your grace, and through your blood, the chains are broken. 
that the weight of insecurity, the weight of expectation put on us by other people is cast off, that we are literally redefined by who you say we are, that we have a new identity, and that identity is as your son, it's as your daughter, it's as your best. Our identity is that we are your masterpiece. Our identity is that we are no longer enslaved. Our identity is that we are set free and that we are free to experience the love that you have for us. And so, God, that's my prayer for us this week. May we live as freed people. May we live as freed people that show people your love. In your name we pray. Amen.